Hey Jay, welcome to the All Walks of Life pa- uh, podcast. It's a pleasure to have you on. Uh, thank you for inviting me. So, for the people who don't know um, about the kind of stuff you do, would you like to give us a brief about uh, what it is that you do? And yeah. So I'm a PhD student, uh, and I'm doing my PhD in ancient Indian history from Jawaharlal Nehru University. And on the side, I do. I have a two YouTube channels, and uh, the first YouTube channel uh, usually puts a kind of a short video for eight to eight. 12 minutes and it's about indian history in general and the second uh, youtube channel is called historically speaking and this is a monologue of a, a, a rather long monologue so okay. it uh, goes from 35 minutes to 1 hour 30 minutes and in there in that i i go too specific on a particular topic so for example like uh, how was the mauryan state functioned right. and what different historians think about it so in uh, so in the second podcast so i go really deeper about the different theories of different scholars so these are two you know different styles so but largely i do work on similar history. content that you're pushing yes. out be it different mediums yes yeah so what was it that sort of inspired you to get into like history you you said you're sort of doing um, sort of doc- like like a phd in it right now but what was it what was your inclination to sort of getting into this particular subject area you see uh, i have a very funny story in the sense that uh, uh, around like in the, in 10th and 11th i had this uh, belief that you know i will i have this vague idea that i, I will do you know uh, english honors okay so i don't know why but i had this but you know in 11th i i picked up science not arts which is strange because if you want to go to you know, english honors so so what happened was that you know most of my friends who were doing uh, science uh, uh, pcm with me they were all uh, going for iit and preparing for iit so i thought why not maybe i could i could also try for iit but what happened is that uh, in 12th i had this uh, i had this you know uh, one thing was already clear to me that i will do a back year, uh, i will uh, do a gap year okay and uh, there i will prepare for iit बारहवीं में मेरे को कुछ नहीं करना बारहवीं में आई विल डू वट एवर आई फील लाइक एंड वॉट हैपन्ड बाय यू नो बाय द सेकेंड हाफ ऑफ माई ट्वेल्थ इज दैट आई गॉट रियली इन इंटरेस्टेड इन यूट्यूब सो आई यूज टू वॉच इफ यू हैव इफ यू रिमेंबर दिस वर द अर्ली ड्रेज ऑफ ब्लॉगिंग एंड देर वर पीपल लाइक फन फॉर लुई बेन ब्राउन मिस्टर बेन ब्राउन सो दीज ब्रिटिश ब्लॉगर्स यूज टू ब्लॉग सो आई यूज टू वॉच देयर कंटेंट and secondly i i really uh, you know got really into anime okay. so these two uh, these two things really messed up my 12th <laughs> didn't get any good marks so then i did gap year and in the gap year what happened you, you know was uh, my father had bought a dslr for his personal business use but uh, there was no not such, such any use for it so i started using it and i got really deep into photography okay and along with photography i got deep into movies so i i i had this you know ki i will do photography photography so uh, in the end what happened was the funny story is uh, uh, when i was in, in my 12th so i did my uh, so i gave my je mains also uh, not mains earlier it was called prelims right yeah uh, or pre uh, so i did my, i got like 36 okay. out of 360 <laughs> then after uh, you know uh, doing a gap year and preparing for je i got 33 <laughs> so in in you know what used to uh, what uh, what was my whole day used to look like i used to watch 3 to 4 movies right 
and around uh, three or four p.m. I used to go out right. in Delhi, and I used to shoot. Uh, uh, used to do uh, do photographs from like say old Delhi. Yeah. So different. So this was my whole, you know. The but but I am really glad that my you know parents were not really that. Uh, they had this belief that ki kuch kar lega. भले अभी लग नहीं रहा लेकिन हमको लगता है पढ़ता है रात में पढ़ता होगा बट यू आई यूज टू वॉच मूवीज सो यू नो वॉट हैपन वॉज आई डिट गेट एनी गुड मार्क्स बट आई वॉज एबल टू गेट इन टू ए गुड कॉलेज सो आई वॉज जस्ट अबाउट टू अप्लाई सो माई फादर यू नो यू सेड फादर सेड दैट यू वॉन्टेड टू गो इन टू आई आई टी बट यू डिट गेट सो इफ यू डू नॉट फील लाइक डूइंग इंजीनियरिंग यू डोंट हैव टू विच आई वॉज लाइक हाँ बात तो सही है मेरे को तो करनी नहीं थी so uh, so he said you know why don't you uh, fill a form of du and uh, do uh, basically just mm. do ba and then decide what whatever you want to do if you want to do go for prelims you can go yeah. upsc you can go for upsc so i did my uh, i uh, uh, filled my form for uh, du and what happened was you know uh, i didn't have good marks to go into you know proper north campus colleges uh-huh. so i I get a. Uh, I got a. Uh, I have. I had three or four colleges from South Campus which I could go, but uh, so so my uh, so I had. Uh, I couldn't do BA honors, or if I I if I were to do BA honors, I had this idea that I will do political science. Okay. So there was no uh, that <laughs> yeah, I will do history. History. Yeah. So what happened? So since I do not have any good marks, so I decided to do BA program. Now BA in BA program you have to do a uh, two core course okay. core subject. Right. So and interestingly, what happened was uh, there are two colleges which I had uh, for first was Zakir Hussain, mm-hmm. which is in New Delhi, and then there was this PGDAV evening, not morning evening. So there is a big gap <laughs> there. So those who are from DU would know. So uh, you know the good thing about PGDAV evening was they didn't care about attendance. I wanted that. Or Zakir Hussain me tha ki you know if you ek hafte tak nahi aaye to they will call your parents. Oh okay. Or you you will not allowed to sit in the exam. So ye sab tha me ka I didn't care about you know the college which I wanted to go I was going to get into. So me ka koi nahi evening lete hain. So I did uh, so I entered the college and what happened was for the first two years I had this that ki I will prepare for FTII. and then i will go to ftii mm-hmm. but last you know in the third year what happened was what is ftii just just in case people uh, aren't aware of this particular film school? and television oh, right, institute of yeah, yeah, yeah. pune right so i had this you know ki director banna hai <laughs> I, i i want to make a film what year ha what year banna hai what year hote na wo jo director matlab मतलब जैसे कोई ग्रेट नॉवलिस्ट हो गया तो फॉर अ ग्रेट डायरेक्टर जनरली दैट्स द टर्म दैट्स यूज्ड लाइक एन ऑटियर ओह आई डिडंट नो दैट सो दैट्स लाइक लाइक अ विजनरी डायरेक्टर और समथिंग ऑफ दैट सॉर्ट ओके सो आई हैड दिस यू नो कि डायरेक्टर बनना आई विल प्रिपेयर फॉर एफटीआईआई बट सेकंड ईयर में मेरे को आई आई डोंट नो व्हाई बट आई डिडंट यू नो सॉ द काइंड द सीट्स व्हिच दे हैड ओके सो दे हैड दिस ओनली फाइव सीट्स और फिर यू नो माय पेरेंट्स वर नॉट अवेयर दैट आई वांटेड टू बिकम अ डायरेक्टर and the uh, i think the uh, to fill the exam uh, examination form the fees was like 8 or 9000 okay so i was like bhai i have to ask for money uh-huh. for my parents or ya to doston se mango lekin fir then i was like ki i i'm not sure what i want to do mm-hmm. or interestingly uh, i didn't you know mention that but jab ba program ka bharne gaye to 
I uh, in that in you know in the college, you I was clear that I will do political science. All right. But in political ke science, what to do? I do I was not clear. And it was like maths, maths learning nahi thi. Computer science, I you know there is no point studying computer right. science in mm-hmm. in a, in a DU college, especially evening. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <laughs> so I was like, ki history bachi ya history le lete. Ah, history me interest tha, but uh, it was not that ki it would be my career. Right. Huh. So lately, but you know by the second year I was not interested in or I didn't think that I would be make uh, I would make into FTII or I was not as passionate about FTII ki agar maan lo nahi mila so if if I I have to do struggle so I was not hmm. you know ki it it is my hobby but it's I not something th- yeah that I, you think you make a career out of it as of yet yes uh, ki matlab it, it uh, I want it to become my career right so ye clarity mere ko second year mein aa gayi and I'm very you know grateful for that ki de raha hai durust hai lekin aa gaya to so in second year i started to prepare for the jnu uh, uh, in jnu you have to do entrance exam for ma okay and uh, there what happened what th- in third year i did my exam so i didn't get into jnu now after that what happened was from my parents side uh, they started telling me that ki bhai abhi tak to humne kuch bola nahi aur tum apne man se kare ja rahe ho hain to ab kuch hamari sun lo so i was like ki Uh, एक साल मेरे को गैप ईयर दे दो हाँ. उसके बाद अगर मेरे को एंट्रेंस में कहीं एडमिशन मिल जाता है तो ठीक है नहीं तो वट एवर यू विल से फॉर मी टू डू आई विल डू सो हुआ क्या कि एक साल आई स्टडीड क्वाइट क्वाइट ए लॉट अबाउट ऑफ अबाउट हिस्ट्री एंड इन जनरल अदर बुक्स ऑल्सो एंड आई वॉज एबल टू नॉट क्रैक जे एन यू बट आई वॉज एबल टू Uh, got a good rank in okay. DU entrance exam. Right. So I got admission into the Hindu uh, into Hindu college. Mm-hmm. So after that, uh, in uh, MA second year, I so there is this exam called NET GRF. If you have heard. Okay. No, I haven't. So it is for basically those who are who want to do PhD. Right. And what happens in here, the the whole Delhi university circuit or no in, in all all of of India. Oh okay. So what happens is that uh, so for so suppose if you want to teach in a university if you uh, want to be a assistant professor right so this is a qualifying exam so NET national eligibility test okay. so this is a qualifying exam mm-hmm. which you have to get now JRF is that uh, suppose you, if you uh, if you got the PhD admission then uh, government will provide you a fellowship. Mm-hmm. so i cleared that and the good thing about this exam is that if you clear this exam particularly grf what happens is that you don't have to do entrance exams of university you just uh, you just appear for the interview for phd okay. interview yeah. so what happened was well, i went to jnu phd and i was selected so no, long story <laughs> very short so. well that's that's a, that's a fun ride but like um so one of these questions that i sort of picked up uh, by listening to this pod this british podcast it's called hermitex so it's basically like a very intellectual philosophical podcast uh, that's there in the uk and one of the questions that they generally ask its guests and i i, I quite i quite liked it so i have generally started doing it nowadays is that if you were given so it's a thought experiment basically if you could be a fly on the wall and listen into a conversation of three individuals who've really inspired you who would those be now these individuals could be people from the past the present or these could be fictional characters as well so people you've li- read in literature or something of that sort is there something that comes to your mind like there are three people in the room that you would definitely want to listen into no these can be from like as i said from the past present or a fictional character hmm interesting question i <laughs> thought about it but 
because this really gives me like a understanding as to who your intellectual inspirations were or who sort of formed the way you sort of look at the world right now or who have you've been influenced by hmm one of the great uh, writers which uh, i really admire and you know i read a lot about him is will durant okay i've heard that name yeah yeah, yeah. so he wrote, he wrote multiple books but one of the most important uh, books which he wrote is the history of civilization so it's a 11 12 volume about the history of entire world oh wow and the good thing about this uh, huge uh, work is that the kind of prose which he uses is uh, like really marvelous then another fellow is also from history is edward uh, gibbons okay so gibbons wrote his uh, the fall of uh, the fall of roman empire i think okay Uh, people will laugh at I, I can't remember the name of the but it is the about the roman empire, empire. and how it felt so these two uh, these two you know writers are known for their you know uh, brilliant prose so these two and i think the third will be um, i i would say maybe gandhi oh wow uh, because uh, you know i we were we recording this on gandhi jayanti so it uh, <laughs> although uh, you know i have great dis- disagreements about his broader uh, philosophy but as a person and and his convictions i really admire because you know uh, most of us when we grow up we have this you know vague idea ki uh, gandhi achhe nahi the hmm. but uh, what happened was that in 11th or 12th i started reading his autobiography and that really you know had a great uh, impact on me and after that i had i i read uh, what naipaul wrote about him mm. so that uh, these uh, his autobiography and the way naipaul described him really shaped my view of how gandhi you know functioned yeah. so so these two i think uh, maybe that's great because i think that's something we have in mutual because i really admire and respect uh, mahatma gandhi as well but uh, no i'm really interested so what do you think the conversation would be like between these two sort of historians and mahatma gandhi what do you think they would be delve what, what do you think they'll be delving into would the historians be poking mahatma gandhi as to what he should should have done um or any improvements in in, in sort of the the non alignment uh, movement or what do you think the conversation would be like <laughs> I think uh, if you read Will Durant's work, and I haven't read uh, Gibbons, so Will Durant has this idea that uh, at the start of a culture, the culture is much more, you know, oriented towards faith, and as culture evolves, it prospers. A philosophy takes over, and philosophy leads to its downfall. <laughs> so he has this a uh, whole, you know, uh, point of view, but. i would uh, i think will durant will say what gandhi has to say about this mm. because uh, i think gibbons although i haven't read it but uh, he also have has this broad idea of that ki at the start you have much more vigor mm. people are, are much more direct they don't you know uh, uh, they don't talk they act but later you know people get refined uh, then there are degeneration that happens so uh, so may, maybe he would ask uh, how would you say that you know the uh, the decline of the indian civilization and later you know the colonization of india do you think this philosophy applies to india right Maybe. that's really interesting but do you think that would be the case or do you think it would still be stuck in that whole um, aspect of religiosity and um, how we still clung on to faith so closely which india is such a religious country as, as far as i understand it at least yes a uh, religion particularly you know durant has this idea that 
it is uh, the elites uh, shape a society mm-hmm. and he argues that at the start you know the elites are also, are also faith uh, have faith and are religious but as society grows you know, uh, uh, these elites become much more you know uh, materialistic so maybe i think just uh, in the case of india particularly i don't think our elites are that you know philosophical uh, religious mm. although the masses are mm, yeah yeah that's that's very interesting so um do you know the name of purushottam agarwal he used to teach at jnu he's a historian and sort of a cultural commentator nowadays um so basically why i've brought him up is that um, he's written like a really uh, massive and really masterful work on kabir sant kabir and he basically argues in many of his works is that so many historians have this uh, particular understanding and you'd know better than i do that when the british came to india they sort of got like a medieval india and it was them who sort of industrialized it and who sort of brought all these sort of enlightenment or all these sort of uh, works that happened in india he sort of takes a very different outlook of, of how things were he says that there was already an in, uh, enlightened uh, movement that was started in india because he's done a lot of work in the bhakti literature and the, with the bhakti poets with raidas with uh, with what's his name i forget with kabir and among others and he said that there was slowly india was moving it wasn't really a medieval period but an early modern period so for the understanding that many of the historians have that the british actually got like a medieval india when they actually came here it was is actually very flawed and and what he says is that if it wasn't that the british didn't come and it was left alone for an india to develop organically perhaps the industrialization and those sort of things that came with the british would have come naturally in the indian subcontinent itself so uh, uh, can you expand on how he you know describes enlightenment so Uh, see again i'm i'm not in i'm not in the history sphere, sphere so no, no, i don't really uh, know how uh, purushottam agrawal you know de- describes it uh, I, i'm guessing it's with um aspects such as like a move away from religiosity towards things um which are more no materialistic or things in the sphere of um i don't know industrialization and those kind of things but to be honest i'm not really sure how he's used it but that was one of the terms he did use uh i don't think i agree with it right. because uh you know there is this whole tradition of enlightenment reformation yeah. that went with the you know modernization of europe so although we have also the case of uh, meiji restoration in japan but their uh, their situation was completely different right. from india because what you see is that in the 18th century you do not have a uh, you know a single uh, quote unquote political power in mm. the indian subcontinent mm-hmm. you have multiple powers that are you know fighting with each other there yeah. are multiple alliances so how first of all you have to have a political power that could achieve supremacy over the entire subcontinent or at least to a, a major chunk or to a major chunk so if that happens maybe we can say that you know some type of uh, uh industrialization would uh, right okay would continue but i think you know the problem with what what ifs of history is that uh, particularly <laughs> i find that uh, this problem is that uh, so uh, you you say that you know uh, if this happens then we would have gone to this yeah, direction yeah. now the problem is that like uh, if we say that you know if europeans hadn't come ab mm-hmm. europeans ke uh, ke aane ना आने के लिए यू हैव टू हैिफॉर्मेशन नहीं होना चाहिए इंटरनल पोलिटिकल स्ट्रक्चर जो है वहां के रेवोल्यूशन वगैरह यू यू हैव टू यू नो कीप असाइड ऑल ऑफ दिस सो हिस्ट्री आई थिंक लाइक एनी ह्यूमन 
oriented subjects or not to say that you know sciences are not human oriented <laughs> but, uh, but especially in social sciences there are so many you know uh, uh, so many factors that we have to uh, keep in mind so what have what if of history does not necessarily applies to uh, every you know scenario or it's mostly more scenarios in that sense yes like uh, although there are you know certain examples like for example you have uh, like we can say that suppose at one time in a battle this particular thing wouldn't happen mm -hmm. because then people could say that you know like suppose uh, akbar you had akbar who ruled for more uh, around 50 years yeah suppose he would have you know just died just yeah. in 4 yeah. or 5 years the situation would have been completely different mm -hmm. so in that sense there are you know i i, I don't i don't think, think that we should just uh, don't talk about what ifs of history but sometimes like most historians and uh, have this idea and i think there is this uh, view among historians that uh, they talk about their subject and uh, they do not cater uh, they, they do not factor into other you other, know the spheres uh, of knowledge and things like that other possibilities particularly okay. like okay. Uh, although i haven't read so i shouldn't criticize but uh, there are many scholars which i have read so what they they do is that they have this topic which they want to deal mm -hmm. and in this topic uh, then they will you know uh, uh, make theories but they would they would not factor into other consideration that could affect these theories so in that way sometimes we have to uh, as a historian or not not as a historian but also as readers we have to also think about you know like if this uh, historian if suppose he is making a particular point whether he his point could be applied to other uh, other scenarios as mm -hmm. well generalized statements are good but we have to you know keep into account that they are they are they are generalized statement so in that way i think uh, one should that makes sense but so th this sort of leads me on to my next question i totally understand like um um the sort of take that most historians have that we can't really play votives and things like that but there are many sort of schools of looking at history as well right so i don't know if you've uh, come across the work of thomas carlyle he was a scottish historian and writer and he sort of coined this term uh, called the great man theory of history so mm -hmm. he believes that basically the way we sort of read history and the way sort of the world is structured is only and simply through the works of great men who sort of created revolutions or been great kings or what have you and that's how we have we've been here um I mean I understand I really like Carlyle's work but he is he is problematic in many other areas as well but then there are other sort of ways of looking at history as well like there are there's like the marxist lens of looking at history there's a postmodern lens of looking at history or if you're talking more close to india there's an imperialist way of looking at history or there's like a nationalist way of looking at history right so even when we're talking about these lenses these are looking at certain areas of what happened and then sort of ignoring or not putting a as much emphasis on the others so if you look at the nationalist bent theek hai that's all that's there but people perhaps in the leftist oriented in india say that the the other aspects weren't looked into with as much consideration let's say so don't you think that will always be the case that whichever lens we do take that's it's going to sort of emphasize on some things and and sort of not to the same extent others yes uh, although about uh, uh, great man theory so the we in our department we have this great poster so i will send it to you so you can <laughs> put it here uh, put it here but about your general point i think one of my professors who uh, you know recently expired so he has this great line about uh, you know history and how uh, history you know functions 
so he he says that you know history uh, begins or history moves forward when you ask new questions so for example you know in the nationalist case so nationalist you have to understand the political situation of that period you uh, you know the imperialist were writing that uh, there was no such thing as india uh, uh, yeah. hindus uh, the, these hindus are degenerate and uh, they really wrote that you know the, the, these the religion which they practice is a, is is form of a degeneracy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so so they were responding to the allegations of the imperialist historians and also they had to you know they had to provide to the reading public of that period ki in your past you also had great achievements mm-hmm. so you should uh, so that that uh, that idea of you know like uh, to to be more confident you have to you know have some uh, pra- uh, some respect for your culture so for that so like if you read that your culture was bad you, you, what you practice is a form of degeneracy mm-hmm. you you will get to uh, what's what can be disheartened pre like you want to do something about it like yes no, also uh, demoralized is i think the uh, so the right in, so you have to to bring in uh, to you know nurture confidence into the masses especially uh, keeping in mind that this was a t- uh, time when nationalist ma- movement was ri- yeah. ri- uh, rising yeah. so for that uh, they wrote their history keeping this in uh, this, this political in situation huh. in background now when you know our uh, we got got at uh, independence so this idea of now th- there is no you know imperialist who is telling mm-hmm. us that so then then we have marxist historians who began to look at the question of uh, economy and how economy affects you know certain uh, like for them economy plays a major role in how history moves forward so uh, then there is this marxist phase of historical writing and uh, after that we have uh, like now we have post colonial mm-hmm. uh, historians and also subaltern historians so in that way you know i think uh, the saying of my professor is quite interesting that like in recently we find that a new kind of history mm-hmm. are being written so whenever you ask new questions you will for uh, your uh, your answer will also change right. like for the national historian they wrote, uh, they answer they uh, they asked a particular questions and they got answers regarding that particular yes. question and right now like if you want to if you are you are asking completely different questions or a slightly different question so you will get answers according to that. fair enough so but don't you think so my particular thing is that and in that sense i think you would agree right so basically whenever we are looking through any of these lenses or through as a general uh, individual as well we always have our biases and however much we may want to sort of put them uh, to the back side they will always sort of show up in our work consciously or subconsciously um and that's just the same in history writing as well so if you're more intellectually drawn towards a certain school of thought be it marxist be it nationalist whatever that'll just be how your um, history writing or your sort of historiography comes out right however much you may want to sort of keep it to, to the uh, keep like sort of shun away from it and be more objective about your work hmm uh, you know recently we had a seminar so we discussed about this question so i think true we have biases but i think uh, there are two things like on the one hand you can say that i have biases and i, I will not you know try to curb my biases fair enough or uh, and i will not to uh, i will not try to be objective okay. because you know since i have biases there is no point trying to be objective because i could not be objective mm-hmm. 
and on the other hand i believe that i have biases and i also believe that there is a uh, there is an objective truth mm-hmm. although i cannot I, I i can never reach that objective truth but i will try to be as close to it so in that way i will try to curb my biases as much as i can and also i think uh, people would say it that it is quite naive but i think being honest when you write history and not uh, not only in history but in other aspects as well sometimes uh, can help to you know uh, to lessen your biases which i think like especially in the post colonial uh, context their whole view is that there is no objective truth mm-hmm. for you there is, you have your own truth i have yeah, my own yeah yeah the post modernist way of looking at the world uh, i i did as a colonialist ha 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 okay post post modern post modernist yeah okay so so i think that really you know that uh, not really solves your question like so why should we st- study history then jab tumko apna hi likhna hai i will write my own uh, you know st- stupid thing then ठीक है तो आप अपना लिखो डिपार्टमेंट बंद कर देते हैं सबके सब अपने घर में बैठ के हिस्ट्री लिखेंगे जो आजकल हो ही रहा है नो ऑब्जेक्टिव ट्रूथ देन व्हाई यू नो परस्यू दैट इन इन योर हिस्ट्री डिपार्टमेंट सरकार का पैसा ही बचा वैसे भी सोशल साइंसेस की वैल्यू नहीं तो so i i uh, don't really buy into this आइडिया दैट देयर इज नो ऑब्जेक्टिव ट्रूथ बट आई डू थिंक दैट यू नो वन वी कैन नॉट राइट completely objective history mm. but i think uh, we should always make the attempt towards that yes. at least uh, you know uh, be more uh, honest and objective as much as possible hmm that's right so there's another question that springs to my mind and you were talking about the whole post colonial phase not the post modern the post colonial phase so when say the the indian government was just uh, established and the congress came into power and things like that so we had this imperial school of writing and then many of so many of the people in the right wing nowadays say that theek hai first we have this imperialist way of looking at uh, history so what the british taught us and how the british looked at us and all this kind of stuff but then they say that after that um when india did get independence it sort of became infiltrated by this whole marxist and leftist school of thought and that's predominantly how we're looking at history till date as well so they're like theek hai we moved away from the imperialist camp but we're now in this marxist camp um and they say that there hasn't been a fair share that's been given towards let's say so i don't know if you've come across this term there's this new phrase that's been coined by this person called uh, jaisai deepak he's called this uh, he's saying there's this new era which is coming what's called the indic renaissance where perhaps the indic thought um should be given more value or should at least be uh, given share in the the sort of history departments or the his, 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 the people who do write history do you agree with that or do you think it's all sort of um a way to sort of propagate the propaganda and things like that uh firstly you know uh although even marxists and uh, nationalist historian did not really agree uh, no uh, agree in the point of imperialist historian but i do okay. have yeah. uh you know great respect for the imperialist historians for example you know james princep mm-hmm. uh, if you read about his life and the kind of dedication he showed that that really inspires me and also you know they had their own views and these were yeah. they were not kind to uh, our right. our history but they were objective in the sense that they d- did put lit- uh, they put effort and great effort mm-hmm. on you know on uh, discovering uh, indian ancient indian history yeah. particularly yeah. and uh, you know uh, like you would be surprised that uh, most of the for example 
there is this uh, body of vol- uh, work which is called corpus indicarum which okay. is basically is that uh, most of these inscriptions which we have so they have compiled these inscription and translated these inscriptions so you you can you know you don't have, so if you want to uh, see what ashok inscriptions are there yeah. so you have a particular book you can go there and you can see the uh, the uh, brahmi characters and also the prakrit version and also english version oh wow, okay and these were compiled uh, compiled back in the days of uh, indip- uh, before independence so they you know uh, and i i i do th- in the 70 years of our independence we do not uh, we we have not even done a fraction of work which they did wow like so in that sense they did you know uh, a lot of like intensive rigorous work rigorous yeah. work so uh, we should commend them for that now about your question of uh, like i i i do think that you know marxist became dominant in the co- in particularly in social sciences because of the like really you know most of these uh, most of the elites mm-hmm. uh, were from that uh, school of thought school of thought but i do think that you know uh, like in recent scholarships uh, people i think that in indic renaissance we can say that you know it is a good thing that the other side is also speaking mm-hmm. but uh, on both sides i think there has to be some attempt of uh, trying to you know listen to the other side and also sort of be, bridge the gap and sort of find like common ground also common ground and also you do not have to uh, there is this uh, you know uh, beautiful works of uh, rahiman dhawa ka prem ka uh, i forgot the whole verse but it is like ki dhaga mat todo because if you want to uh, attach it again there is this gant that will uh, not will always be there so the people are bridge, uh, you know attacking the other side in such vicious way you cannot have communication like i believe that uh, you know i i basically if you read uh, read or see my work i include i try to include both the nationalist and the marxist mm-hmm. but most of the comments which i get is like people ki romila thapar ko kyu use kara and other will say you know like interestingly if you uh, the earliest video which i did was uh, was for was how you know sanskrit and prakrit uh-huh. about sanskrit so there you know i got attacked from the right wings because they believe that uh, the vedas were composed like 7000 10000 years ago and uh, on the neo buddhist side so yeah. neo buddhists have this idea that the vedas were composed 700 in, or something right uh, no 1200, 1200 ad 1200. ad okay so they think that uh, the vedas are 800 year old huh. something yeah that's what i heard 7800 years yeah so ek taraf people are going 10 10000 saal pehle aur ek 800 both are wrong yeah and uh, so in that sense i think uh, what people are trying to do is that they are basically i think one should have you know honesty again exactly. you know uh, huh. if you those people who are from the indic renaissance if they do their work objectively honestly marxist should uh, or the people who not marxist like uh, we have this tendency to every call everyone yeah, marxist bhale wo baad mein apne aap ko marxist bole but if you are from say a leftist inclination ha, ha. if you are being honest like for example i have great dist- ag- agreements with uh, some of the points of romila romila thapar yeah. but i could not say that you know everything her body of work is wrong that just ha. yeah <laughs> that's like uh, that's stupidity that's like ha huh. 
you have some disagreements on certain points, but Sena ke pas, you know, uh, yeah. what she Reject wrote was crap. Like the whole thing that she's done is insane. Uh, and same for the other side as yeah. well. Yeah. You cannot say that, you know, whatever these right wings are, uh, are, are writing are crap. Yeah. I, uh, analyze the work. If you do not find anything, uh, if you find anything wrong, say that this is wrong huh. without naming names. Yeah. You know, you do not have to call them stupid, liar, <laughs> fascist, or in the case of uh, like communists, you yeah. know, uh, lip tarts, etc. So you don't have to do that. You can do that. Uh, you can criticize someone w- while being fair and all that. Do you think this process is getting more difficult? Because this is something I wanted to get to later, but I guess we're talking about it now, so we can. Um, so before we started this conversation, we we're talking a little bit about like this whole, this whole aspect of the WhatsApp university that's wrapped in, and then almost anyone and everybody is writing history nowadays. It, that's how it seems like almost, and uh, their own version of history. Um, so. Does that make people like your work, who's trying to sort of spread um, as much like honesty in their sort of um, creation of videos or content, whatever that you are putting out, that more difficult? Because people are getting so much easy content on their hands, like on their fingertips, whenever they open a, a family WhatsApp uh, chat or something of that sort. Um, so for them to then delve into more detailed and more rigorous work that you may be presenting. I think uh, in that regard, most of the academics have failed. because you know uh, if you read the kind of work academics wrote first of all it is unreadable unki ek ek sentence jo hai wo aath aath line hoga so you can you can't expect expect a common For uh, sure. uh, audience to read that a popular history particularly in india is not really you know uh, well developed mm-hmm. so you already have a space like there is uh, p- there are people who want to know about history and if there is a vacuum Uh, people will say uh, all kinds of uh, you know uh, elements will fill that gap so popular history is uh, uh, rigorous popular history is not being written uh, like you have scholar uh, writers like uh, dalrymple etc yeah. but uh, you know first of all they are writing in english and also how many people you know read books mm. so in the case of uh, let's say documentaries like these uh, are the mediums from which you can uh, like bharat ek khoj uh, you mm. can say that you know the, they presented a type of understanding of history but you would be surprised you know how many uh, people of our parents generation watched that show mm. they still have you know uh, uh, idea about uh, what was the episode was uh, about that period yeah so bharat ek khoj uh, had so great impact yeah but right now you know we have our uh, there is so much resources but nobody is working on providing a good history to them uh, but isn't it happening but like on the other side so and i don't want to be singling out the right wing but that's just w- what the environment we are living in right now on there like these movies that are being made um and all these sort of sh- shows which are trying to sort of create this i would say fantasy this whole element of um, showcasing our past in a certain manner So, you know that is why i'm saying na ki like if you have good like let's say history channels yeah. or good documentaries on news channels so in then the common people would know about kind of you know yeah. what uh, supposedly happened or what is what is closer to the truth or what is uh, academic what are academic what is, yeah, yeah. but if you only have movies and movies you know but uh, to be fair you know 
it is not the bollywood who is doing hollywood you know yeah. if you watch 300 the kind of way they have portrayed the persians is like you know uh, they are not really humans darius is uh, darius look like a, a demon or something so this is uh, present in everywhere but uh, there they have this whole idea of you know popular histories there are many writers who are popular historians mm-hmm. and uh, like uh, i would not name my professor but one of my professor had this you know vicious hate for popular historians oh wow and uh, he basically believed that you know these are dumb people uh, <laughs> who write, who cannot do research so that, that that is why they are into popular histories oh, okay. now this is uh, that is the kind of mentality that leads to whatsapp but most. but that's what's happening it's not only limited to india that's uh, if you listen to many of these intellectuals in the west as well that's what they'll be doing so theek hai if you want to write for your 15 friends who will read your paper then go ahead write it it's not really creating an impact you're not bridging the gap between like academia and society right that's what i understand if it's if it's so if you're doing so much research and so uh, like well funded and all this kind of stuff you're putting so much effort into it then maybe you can also convey it in a manner that's uh, like easily uh, accessible to people who aren't in that whole uh, sphere where they're first reading a thing and then going to eight appendixes and eight references or whatever look uh, here i think you know uh, academics uh, the kind of writing writings which academics do you know is important because of the particular uh, you know, no risk. for sure it is but like i'm saying there you there know, should also be people who are like doing both kind yes, of things uh, no i think yes uh, that is also important but i think what is more important is that on the one hand you have academics who are pro- producing real research ha huh, okay and on the other hand you have common people who cannot uh, read what yeah. he, uh, what the, these guys are producing so there should be someone in the middle who can bridge hmm. that gap yeah. and this can only be only be uh, bridged by i think in popular historians can do that so uh, i think if you have uh, there is this uh, documentary on indian history called uh, the story of Civ- uh, the story of india okay. by michael woods okay so uh, this first aired in i think in 2008 2009 in discovery in hindi mm-hmm. so most most people who used to watch discovery would have seen that documentary so i think if these kind of work uh, you know is more prevalent we would uh, we would get uh, this whatsapp university would fade away because uh, and also i think uh, people would say that uh, i forgot my point no <laughs> it's fair it's fair but that's the thing i think this will always be the case have you heard the name of anand patwardhan He's Anand a documentary. Yeah, he's a documentary filmmaker, and he's been making so many documentaries. And if you look at his, so if you see all his films since independence and how he's portrayed India, and as as compared to all the governments that's been there and what the uh, national consensus has been and what they've sort of put forward through Doordarshan or their sort of other programs, it's just a totally different perspective of how you look at India. It's almost like saying the imperialist versus the nationalist uh, way of writing history. If and and, and still like Anand Patwardhan isn't as well known in the circles. It's like sure people who are interested in this sphere would know this person and then they'd watch his content. But it's not like he's talked about in the same landscape of like popular historians or popular filmmakers or something of that sort. Hmm uh, I think uh, uh, this was also the, also because of the fact that uh, he was writing in a, he was producing his work in an era which was not you know very conducive to But uh, even now even now his films like Ram ke naam or, or the recent films that he's made Reason I, I think in that sense you will we, uh, we can say that uh, uh, <laughs> 
that's what i'm saying right like um so this is this whole term i, I don't know if it's a marxist like marx put it first or someone else like uh, there's art for the classes and there's art for the masses and that's that's always going to be the case I, I, maybe as far as i understand and the way we sort of have to navigate is to make like art that is good so it's sort of also um like is also intellectual enough for the classes but is still sort of commercial enough for the masses uh you know uh, there is this uh, great uh, uh, i will paraphrase it but there was this interview of uh, who was the director dibakar banerjee okay uh, dibakar banerjee so which it, film was this uh, or was just a general interview of his i think it was the interview for uh, byomkesh bakshi ha uh-huh. uh, but uh, the the reporter asked this question like ki uh, uh, you know uh, if we see uh cinema in let's say europe western europe you have this great cinema which is being pro- produ- they are producing true art yahan pe trash tum to yahan pe kuch gana bajate ho so so what he uh you know the, the answer which he gave was i think is quite great so he he said that ki the audience is different in both uh, these regions so in western art they are not uh, Uh, western countries they are not uh, you know particularly western europe i'm talking about so their art is not for entertainment it is a form of art which you have to put effort into yeah, to understand, understand that yeah or th- so in india you cannot expect your uh, common people to say that uh, we will you know we will do great cinematography and uh, uh, kind of acting which you have to put effort into to understand right. it. they will simply reject it for them cinema is an escape from reality yeah. so the kind of function which is uh, which cinema has here is different from western uh, countries western europe so in that sense uh, i think uh, history in general so you have a audience who wants to know about sources mm-hmm. uh, great um, what are different historians saying so there there will be a fraction of these people yeah. then there are uh there will be uh, quite a lot of people who wants to know the whole story mm-hmm. they they are not concerned with like uh, you know what are the different theories of of historians who say how modern empire functioned mm-hmm. they want to know about modern empire if, and if there is some good stories in that empire like you know uh, why this uh, whole myth of uh, ashok uh, after the kalingan war uh, yeah. became buddhist yeah So that's something I wanted to get to as well. <laughs> so, like, there is no proof hmm. that this really happened, and uh, uh, most of these uh, inscriptions which you see, we find that uh, he has become Buddhist before the before the war, Ka- Kalinga yeah. war. So, but it uh, th- this is quite prevalent in the uh, you know po- popular media, yeah. and that is because this is a great story. Okay, by Ladai Kari, बहुत दुख हुआ उसे he became uh, Buddhist. Buddhist. <laughs> so. Uh, so in that sense you know there will always be this uh, two audience and f- uh, the first audience will be small but they will be from the elites and they will uh-huh. look down upon the fair kind enough of. but don't you think this is always going to be the case where in some sense the stories will win out as compared to like what's what's like itihas like what is actual history so when you look at like um like many people don't know this like um so i was having this conversation with like utkarsh uh, sir he's like a uh, he, he's a he's a mythologist and he teaches at mumbai university 
so he was telling me about like the valmiki ramayana and the tulsidas ramayana and like how different uh, like both these texts have and uh, he was basically called to ayodhya um, one of these days and to give a lecture and when he went there and he was talking about the different approaches in the ramayana because not only these two like the valmiki or the tulsidas there are so many other versions of the ramayana as well there's like a feminist version there's like so many other versions and he was basically giving a talk about these other versions and then there were people who came up like stood from the audience and was like but why are you talking about tulsidas is ramayana that's a ramayana we know and this that whatever but he's like that story you've heard of so many times that's a book everyone has at home so i'm talking about these ramayanas because this perspective isn't talked about in the popular landscape as much but he's like no 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 this is how this is not how we know our gods or this is not how we understand them please please talk about the tulsidas ramayana that's the only way we conceive of it so and and then he said you give so much importance to tulsidas ramayana theek hai that's good it's a it's a great it's one of the best devotional texts that's ever written but you have to understand that the first ramayana was the valmiki ramayana why aren't you talking about that and many of them didn't even know about that being the case you know uh, so uh, this what i'm trying to say is that this element will always be there isn't it ki what's like more what's a better story will will sort of win out hmm uh, that is true but i think uh, your point about ramayana is quite interesting because uh, i have a professor who has worked on uh, but he is a great uh, scholar of ramayana so uh, you know uh, but even on that many people tell me so like my mom tells me that hanuman ji wrote the first ramayana valmiki before valmiki hanuman ji wrote it so there's all these other theories so you know this point about the audience that they, they said that uh, most people didn't know about the fact that it was valmiki ramayana yeah, that was yeah. the original so he you know he tells uh, uh, us uh, students that uh, when he was growing up so he grew up in avadh uh, which is in for a, for a, by the way sorry to cut you off for a long time even i thought that tulsidas ramayana was the first so <laughs> yes so he also you know uh, says that you know when i was growing up i had this ki ramcharitmanas is yeah, the yeah. so so this you know shows uh, so there is this beautiful story of uh, surdas and uh, his uh, between his disciples and, and there is oh right yeah yeah So what happened was that uh, one of the disciples of Surdas. By uh, the way, Surdas was this um, great um, devotee of Krishna, wasn't he? Hmm. Who later got blinded because he sort of uh, removed his own eyes. I don't know about that. Oh, you don't story. know about the story? Uh, no, I I know that he was <laughs> blind, but I I am not. He sure. took his own eyes. So okay. he he basically I I don't remember the the technical the specifics of it, but he poked himself in both his eyes. Okay. Um, There's another big story behind that also, but go on. So, uh, so he was talking uh, to his disciples. So one of his disciples asked, "He, uh, who wrote, uh, who writes great poems?" So you know, he, um, he, without any hesitation, said, "I write great poems. Nobody writes better than me." <laughs> so, uh, uh, by the way, uh, Tulsi Das and Sur Das were contemporary. Oh, okay. So, uh, so uh, keep this in ha, mind. Ha. so so people you know most of these disciples became quite uh, you know hesitant to and to a first uh, for the first time so then they said ki uh, swami ji what about uh, tulsidas <laughs> uh, he also writes great poem so he say uh, so surdas you know says that ki uh, you know he 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 do not write poems he write mantras <laughs> so the point being that uh, the the writings of uh tulsidas was regarded not as simply poems oh so they were elevated to the level of mantras yeah so the kind of reverence which uh, is attached to ramcharitmanas particularly in the hindi heartland is it's, you yeah. know uh, it has replaced valmiki, valmiki ramayana for sure yeah easily so that is why so in that sense i think 
uh, and uh, your point about being the fact that you know how ram is portrayed mm. in ramcharit manas and ramayan is quite different so in ramayan uh, he is much more human yeah. but in ramcharit manas he is the lord he is maryada purushottam ram maryada purushottam is also there in ramayan but uh, the way Pursi, uh, tulsidas portrays him is like uh, you know he is much more revered he is god himself yeah, so yeah. there is no human uh, there is human element but it is the god part yeah. which is highlighted more often so in that sense you know the way so our whole discussion of you know that there will always be this camp like what tulsidas in my view did was that he the broad idea of ramcharit manas ram ramayan was portrayed in ramcharit manas mm-hmm. but he also added some Obviously. other bits to yeah. appeal to f- for the masses mm-hmm. and that is why we in if we want to say that you know some popular historians should also try to that they have to appropriate or they have to uh, bring in some of the great works of uh, researchers mm-hmm. which are they which they are doing also presented in a way that that would appeal to the masses like uh, stories of uh, spielberg like saving yeah. private ryan yeah. if you will uh, w- if you will watch with like any common people he will also enjoy it mm-hmm. but uh, it is also a g- great form of cinema yeah yeah so he, spielberg has managed to sort of know, bridge that gap bridge yeah. that gap so in that way i think people w- so this is a l- lot more hard Mm-hmm. Uh, like uh, you know d- doing research and writing uh, uh, long sentences for sure yeah w- will be easier compared to writing a story t- presenting this in a much more catchier way mm-hmm. uh, in a uh, like uh, most of these uh, like my father has this whole point that whatever kind of videos i produce it is like ki uh, paper likhta hai to uh, story element nahi hai which is true uh-huh. uh, in my videos there is no story elements i i present my videos as a form of lecture yeah and that is why i think uh, maybe that is why maybe. there is no view no i i fully agree that there is no storytelling in my view uh, in my videos but i think uh, i could say that it is quite harder and it will take yeah. time for yeah. me to because uh, there there is this channel called lindy beige okay uh, so if you uh, listen to him so uh, you know he talks about a particular roman battle for i think more than uh, one hour oh wow <laughs> but the way he presents uh, the ba- uh, the battle you will not be able to put your uh, you know headphone down. down so this form of storytelling in my view i think uh, there is something to this which can help this for sure uh, talking about this this stuff like talk of like history story right something that just came to my mind i'm a big fan of dan carlin have you heard his name or yes, have yes. you consumed any of his podcast like yes, some, some of some of like so i find him like an extraordinary storyteller like probably one of the best there is in the world especially in communicating like um what's it called like history and uh, he he was talking about like in the earlier days he used to get like a lot of flack from uh, these um, academic historians saying that you're not a proper historian how can you talk about history and all this kind of stuff but there are now many of these historians have sort of moved and actually started appreciating his work because there is being a scientist is one thing and then being a science communicator is a different there's a totally different skill set in some sense and i think that should apply to history as well like if someone's a great historian that's a great thing but then uh, 
someone can be a great history communicator as well right and uh, yeah i was just going to ask you so what do you think of him like um, that's another example right like someone who's doing like and so he's doing like 6 7 hours some of his podcasts are like 5 6 hours so it's like really long as well it's not like like um, i don't know 5 minutes or something of that so it's like deep and delved but still really entertaining and really sort of like gripping Uh, yes uh, so uh, about you know uh, i was about to mention dan kalin as well so there you know he has tried to bridge that gap yeah, and yeah. he has done it very uh, effectively we can also do it in india but but you know like uh, any great thing to do you have to take uh, you have to put in effort of course and uh, people i i you know i have this belief that slowly people will emerge of this like uh, why i started doing all of this is that uh, you know whenever i used to uh, uh, i wa- i wanted to try to watch any indian history mm-hmm. because i used to con- consume great amounts of videos on western uh, right histories yeah. but there was no one who is right who is who, uh, who is something equivalent in the indian market indian market and also uh, if you look at uh, the kind of history videos indian history videos that are being produced these videos are f- mainly for the people who are doing their exams so mm. for people who are yeah. preparing for upsc so these are lectures common uh, audience the and it's not even and the lectures are very like to the point like i've seen many of these uh, lectures they're like it's, they, they don't really go into the depth as much many a times it's simply of what you need to know if you want to pass a upsc entrance exam or something that makes sense because you know yeah uh, and which is understandable mm. that that's the audience that they're catering to because uh, so in that way i think uh, people will uh, come who will serve this audience who is interested in history but they don't uh, they do not have they're to so give exams yeah uh, they are interested because they are history buffs yeah. they like to talk about history so uh, so my idea was to cater to that id- audience huh. so i was very clear about that so in that sense i think people will come who will try to bridge that gap and that will happen and uh, i think it will happen sooner the, the better huh. so we can hope that so i was listening to this um so do you know of acharya prashant i don't know if you've come across his name he's like a um, he's he's a what's it called like a spiritualist uh, he's he's a proponent of like the advaita vedanta philosophy so one of these things he was saying is that many people think in india mein like people study a lot and are really interested in all this kind of stuff but that's not actually true they study just enough to pass an exam or to get more money or to do certain things or something of that sort you won't really find a lot of people uh, who are really interested in like understanding philosophy or understanding f- um, like film or understand literature or something of that sort you'll find those kind of people but generally many of the thing because of the way the education system is structured in that manner people really uh, devote their energy into like cracking exams and like cracking things to get into institutes to get into like jobs or something of that sort so i think that maybe that's what it is and it'll still take a little bit more time for us to um navigate that area where people who will just be who will just be coming to watch your content because they're interested in that i think uh, about uh, the point of you know people are just studying for uh, to clear exams this is uh, this is natural because you know yeah. ours is a poor country yeah. and there are limited opportunities yeah. because uh, for any uh, art production or foreign uh, audience who audience who will who is only want to listen to uh, a particular view without you know worrying about uh, uh, what i'm getting mm-hmm. uh, what i'm benefiting uh, what will happen to my job if i consume this C- can it benefit it so in that sense you have to have a leisure class so this leisure <laughs> class is is very tiny in the indian case yeah 
because for that uh, that you have to have material yeah. advances yeah i understand maybe with the growth of economy or uh, when upper middle class and upper class only have this luxury like when they can transcend from religion to philosophy as we were talking <laughs> in some sense in some sense yes uh, because you know uh, you if you want to read uh, philosophy or poetry or want to watch theater you need yeah. time like people who are you know struggling from uh, mm-hmm. let's say 8 p 8 am to 9 pm you you can't you say can't that ke bhai 10 10 10 pm pe chalenge aur shakespeare ka play dekhenge baith ke that you won't like because you know uh, uh, on a side note like uh, the tragedy of hindi theater was simply because ki uh, uh, this is my take on this but uh, people who were producing the hindi theater they had the understanding of the elites so mm. they started ki uh, waiting for godot like plays ki wo mere samajh mein nahi aata like my brother uh. is is into you know theater and he appreciates that form because he knows about this yeah. but i am a common uh, common uh, you know man who uh. wants to have some under, under uh, entertainment but if i have to put effort into understanding this and i don't know about this whole you know stanislav askey huh, and all huh. that i want to have understand just entertainment so if you cater to that audience who have this high you know art appreciation but uh, most people who watch hindi uh, theater they are not from that class yeah. so there is this you know uh, mismatch that mm-hmm. happens and that is why you know hindi theater is dying yeah. like uh, mandi house mein if you go and watch any hindi theater you will see that uh, most of these people are from a certain class mm-hmm. there is no common like uh, even great plays of munshi premchand nobody produces it uh, there are people who are producing it but nobody knows uh, like but in- it's it's some really good i don't know if you so i got recently got the chance to go and watch um, at the shriram center tuglak which is really great yeah i really enjoyed it it was really d- a little difficult for me to really pick up all the hindustani that was there in the play but like i really enjoyed it in terms of like um, i don't know have you have you had the chance to watch that play no or? i know about the play but yeah. i think uh, we have to also understand that we also come from a certain yeah point. of course yeah mm-hmm. so in that sense uh, and that was difficult for me to take in as well like hmm. that kind of play so yeah so uh, that is why i think ki uh, you know audience what is your audience like the good thing about marathi theater is that mm. it, marathi theater uh, is not is very you know uh, is very popular among the marathi people so in that sense they had and the, gujarati as well from whatever gujarati and also bengali I bengali think. yeah so I, by the way but but you know uh, these are two different because in particularly in the hindi heartland yeah most of the elites do not talk in hindi <laughs> like i come from hindi heartland you come from yeah. hindi hum hindi mein baat nahi kar rahe <laughs> and whereas uh, b- okay. people Haan. bengali people have their own high culture Haan. and they talk like uh, rabindranath tagore badramanush uh, bhadralok bhadralok sorry uh, so they to uh, they wrote in bengali and there is this great uh, culture of uh, bengali high literature culture. Yeah, yeah yeah but sadly there is no hindi high culture hmm. like i come from eastern up although i i i was brought and uh, raised and brought up mm-hmm. in delhi but uh, in eastern up for example if you want to listen to bhojpuri songs the kind of bhojpuri songs you that you all we all know yeah 
so there is no you know refined or uh, intellectual or like very Bhojpuri. deep ha uh, so maybe there's a room for it who knows there there is m- maybe uh, but maybe they have to first stick to completing their bas in 3 years and in, in, in rather than 6 years and then we can maybe think about theater <laughs> also because you know uh, 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 we recently on twitter i had this tweet that uh, particularly in up bihar Uh, most people are going for uh, government exams they are preparing for government yeah. exam now this literally kills your uh, creativity and everything else because like uh, i have some of my cousins who are preparing um, so prayagraj or ilahabad mm-hmm. which was so <laughs> in ilahabad if you go there most of the economy of this city runs on uh, coaching students center. uh, coaching centers students coming from different parts of bihar eastern up wow. some regions of mp and they are preparing for lower level government exams like those who want to go for is they come in uh, delhi mm-hmm. so for pc up pcs mm-hmm. lower level government exam they go there in ilahabad so what happens is that whenever there is a festival so the whole uh, you know uh, city is silent because most of these students have gone back to their home oh wow okay and if you go there you know it is such a depressing place not because there are you know people or uh, people are preparing but because you see that those 17 se leke 24 saal ki umar mein you have uh, you have your opportunity to take risk mm-hmm. uh, now people are you know sitting in a room preparing for government exams so yeah. you cannot expect these people to uh, from them to appreciate art or unke dimag mein yeah, that's and ha so that is i think the tragedy and i think i'm optimist so i think it will improve yeah for sure with the economy opening up and things like that maybe who knows mm. um another thing i really wanted to get to is that um you are currently pursuing a phd at um, gnu i sort of i've never been to du and i've never been to gnu as well but i have friends who who are there and things like that but i've always had this sort of because of so much that we hear about gnu um in the media and in otherwise as well what what's it like to sort of be in gnu like the politi- what, what what's the political um, environment there is it um or yeah what, what is it like to just study at gnu i think uh, it is uh not different from any other university but like uh, if you go to gnu there are uh, posters and there are you know interesting posters you might not agree with the uh, kind of thing that uh, that is written on them but uh, i i don't really find uh, you know uh, i don't have any problem with people huh. expressing their post uh, expressing their opinion on posters or, or i will but i will say that rather than writing these posters on a wall or you know just doing graffiti you can have a particular section where one can have but apart from this you know uh, earlier i had this uh, you know hate for people who used to go for political parties mm-hmm. and uh, like i was i had this belief that ki if you are into uh, if you are in a university you have to pursue uh, you are for uh, you know academics for academics you want to pursue your studies huh. but uh, you are not for there to, to you know advance your political careers mm-hmm. but now i don't think that is any more i don't really have this belief anymore because i think the good thing about being uh, about uh, you know joining a particular student organization is that for students particularly you can have a kind the kind of exposure exposure which you get there is not is is mm. really you know 
quite interesting and is very different from suppose if you are joining a debate organization sure, yeah but i would say that for those of the listeners who are you know uh, wanting to go to jnu or uh, not jnu but also in other universities as well uh, talk to the students who are from that university mm-hmm. rather than you know believing in the of course no. that's another thing yeah because jnu for whatever the kind of bad press it gets it is still the top university when it comes to social sciences mm-hmm. especially social sciences so if you are in india and you want to pursue social sciences uh, in your uh, ma and phd this is the It's best place, uh, yeah. which you know india can offer yeah so so th- keep that in mind but so what i wanted to ask was that does that um, with this whole um, the student movement and all these kind of things does that sort of um, make you want to um, have certain sort of does that push you towards a certain ideological bent as a student if you're a part of the jnu campus or no you you can sort of what i'm trying to say is that if there's a student who's just come into jnu seeing the political environment that's there and how pe- politically charged people are this is just my take from the outside i don't know what's what's the actuality from the inside does that lead them to sort of then um have more of an understanding of politics or uh, be more interested in politics so that they can sort of i don't know be part of more activities or more sort of these um movements that are taking place on campus i'm not saying towards a particular bent they could be towards i don't know the leftist bent or towards abvp whatever it is but still like take an actress active interest in uh, politics uh, that happens and uh, most of our you know uh, present uh, political dispensation or political leaders not from bjp or no but also from congress are from the student yeah, background yeah. so but but you know also another thing we we have to keep in mind that ki when you go to a college especially when you are from you know uh, just barvi sabinikle mm-hmm. you are very impressionable <laughs> so whatever the group uh, which you are in you so you absorb the Those ideas are. of that group like i am uh, look uh, i joined jnu uh, just one year before so i i am doing i am in my first year so earlier i was in du or du mein kya hai ki du is re, uh, not that uh, uh, political the environment is not very political mm-hmm. whereas in jnu it is very politically political. charged yeah so du ka to alag hi case hai because D, in du it is only in september when there is this whole uh, you know uh, duta uh, election mm-hmm. only then uh, you have uh, you know uh, people who are asking for to vote for them or itna aur aur kuch nahi hota but in jnu this is not the case but i am from, i am doing phd and i have is i have reached a certain age but i'm i'm right now i'm not that impressionable yeah, yeah. Yeah. but yahi agar main ba mein jata to i think uh-huh. i would have uh, joined a particular uh, political Movement, party yeah. and i think uh, there is no bad thing about this because Uh, what can you do if if you uh, like if if i'm i want to have a certain i i'm attracted towards a certain political ideology mm-hmm. i will join it no matter what agar nahi hai political parties universities mein to main kahin aur se kar lunga for sure ha na there is no way stopping this yeah Uh, I'll ask you a difficult question right now. So many people in like the media talk about like the whole um, like the term, and obviously this is just from my take from the outside. I don't think there is uh, such things happening, but they often label like JNU as a whole um, as like anti-national or something along those lines. Now I'm not saying that everyone in JNU is that. I don't believe that. That's just what the media, many of the media um, houses are sort of portraying. But do you think there are elements within JNU that sort of do sort of prescribe to? Um, anti-national sort of 
leanings or something of that sort and it's wrong to sort of cl- cling it to the whole school or there isn't really any anti national it's just sort of propaganda that's spread out by the media houses to get attention or to sort of brand the school in a certain manner uh i think there are people uh, who have this uh, uh, whole anti national view but uh, you know one of my friends has this uh, great line ki panch haath ki jo panchon ke liye hoti hai wo barabar nahi hoti so in that sense you know most of these students are not anti national right. they are for they are for uh, to pursue their studies aur unko usse matlab hai like That's what i'm saying you can't brand the whole school jnu has i think uh, more than i i i, w- I would know i should know that but i think it is around 6 uh, or 8000 students yeah so 6 or 8000 students are quite a lot of students and suppose even 0.1% have this view to 8000 me se 0.1% is kitne ho gaye 80 ho gaye that's a, yeah that's still a lot of people yeah so so then that way we should think about this or it is not about genuine there are you know people we can have uh, some fringe element for, for example sure. in engineering yeah. as, haan, as well haan, haan, haan. like beech mein tha nahi ki engineers are much more uh, uh, much more have extreme opinions of things there okay. is this whole idea about some people have this view that uh, you know most of these engineers uh, whenever they adopt a new ideology they become to uh, oh. go to a particular extreme now they, i i to maximize it like everything that they do <laughs> so uh, so in that sense i i don't really buy it fair enough fair enough were you there uh, were you there as a student when kanhaiya was there or no no, no i just recently, recently joined uh, okay. uh, um, i joined in december 2021 okay no because i was just going to ask you if you were there if when kanhaiya was there like what the environment and things like that was uh, i i must say that it, it would have been an interesting <laughs> environment yeah 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 Uh, but i'm guessing is jnu so that sort of in that sort of climate is still it's always there in some sense there's always something or the other that's going on there's something or the other recently you know i i was um, i had to take a class so i went and i saw that the main entrance is closed okay <laughs> so i was like yaar university ki main entrance kon ban kar dete so later i learned that ki students were pro- protesting because they were not, they are not getting their scholarships Oh, so for damn. that they have uh, you know closed the main center now so in that way you know student politics is quite good ki jahan student politics nahi hoti to and another interesting thing which i have observed compared to du the uh, particularly you know the officials of du uh, are not as nice as they are in jnu mm. so jnu they will talk uh, they have a certain respect towards student aur isliye respect hai kyunki wo darte hain ki kya kehte student leaders aa jayenge in G- in du you, you they don't give a don't damn care. about uh, <laughs> you know aap khade raho you want to have a signature ab char din se aap line mein lag rakhe ho usne mana kar diya wo lunch kar raha hai you can do you can't do anything yeah. but in genu you know they will uh, they will talk to you nicely because they know ki right. you know student politics is quite active there yeah. so in that sense but uh, i have this whole idea that kuch mamle mein achhi hai lekin or at a broader level uh, the kind of conditions there are in jnu uh, you would not say that uh, this is expected of a university which is uh, for the most prominent mm-hmm. university of our nation yeah so that is also ja look this has been a fascinating conversation at the time just flown by um there's just one last question i'd like to sort of leave our listeners with you're so passionate about history you talk so much about it i think i've just scratched the surface of this conversation um is there anything that you would recommend to people who'd want to be in, 
getting into history what they can do are there some books that you'd like to recommend some resources on the internet mm-hmm. for people who 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 are interested in history but don't really know what to pick up where to go um are there some sort of insights that you'd like to provide i think uh, firstly uh, go and watch my videos yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, after that i think uh, you can watch uh, the documentary story of india and after watching that documentary what you which can which was the the story of india by michael woods or something else the story of india by michael, michael woods, woods. Yeah, so okay. this is i think a five part documentary so this will provide a basic idea of indian history so i think whenever you are going into a topic the best thing is that first have a very broad overview of a particular subject mm-hmm. so this will provide you a broad overview yeah. then go to then read let's say there is this book by sanjeev sanyal the land of seven rivers so this will give you a fair idea of uh, the indian history so if you read you can get a fair idea now if you then want to go into a particular topics so my topic is ancient indian history so if you want to go into ancient indian history and understand about indian ancient indian history then there is this book by al basham called the wonder that was india okay so this is a interesting uh, which will provide you the ancient indian culture and how it how the music the literature etc and uh, if you really want to go into then uh, i uh, in my videos i provide you know references right so for a particular topic let's say if you want to understand the gupta empire yeah there are references which you can read to mo- know more about this great man jay this has been fascinating um is there any last words that you would like to leave our listeners with where they can find your work actually i'm going to be plugging everything your youtube channel and your social media handles but yeah is there anything else that you'd like to leave the listeners with uh i think uh, i would say that if you are interested in history try to read about it because reading uh, like it is one way uh, one thing to say that you know you are interested in history and another thing to read about it mm-hmm. like most people will say that i am really interested in history <laughs> but they don't ru- read yeah. about like yeah. i know most you know whenever people ask me what you do i say i i am doing phd in history so wo kehte hain ha humko bhi bahut history pasand hai and then they don't know the difference between mauryan empire and gupta ki kaun pehla aaya tha kaun baad mein tumhe interest itna hai lekin padhta tumhe kuch nahi hai So if you are interested in history please read about yeah. it that is all that's great man thank you so much for coming on as well i hope we can have this sometime again in the future yeah i would love to be again part of this great great great, great. all right guys thank you so much for tuning in um see you guys in the next one bye